So, uh, yeah, um, I'm just trying to think, uh, what are we doing here? What, what, what's going You're on? You're the one that called this meeting. You're the master. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't even the remember doing ceremony. that. <laughs> <laughs> the universe. Oh, we are fucked. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man. So it's just like, uh, you know. It just time is a funny thing, right? Because, you know, uh, I met Lisa in, in multicultural counseling class at University of Buffalo in oh, yeah. 2006 or 2007. Was that the initial meeting? Yep. Yep. That was, really? yeah, that was ground zero. That was ground that was zero. Gr- that's a good way to put it. That was ground zero. <laughs> hey, that's fascinating, really. Yeah. yeah. Rich, where did you and I meet? Oh, please. <laughs> Epic events. How can I forget? <laughs> we met in the perfect place, right? A philosophy class. Perfect. Yeah. Existential philosophy class. There you go, right? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Doesn't get any better. Doesn't nope. get any perfect. Yes. I have my but I that oh, I got Florida. Beautiful. Remember the trip we were together? Uh-huh. Oh my god. Comedy. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. All right, Joel. What you got for us, baby? I got not a fucking clue. (laughs) Joel, with the the synergy in this group that it would just spontaneous, profundity would spontaneously emerge, right? Or or spontaneously combust. (laughs) (laughs) Am I supposed to do something? I didn't know I was supposed to do something. Uh, this is like a, this is a happening. This is the really Zen way to to to, to have a, a profound conversation. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, what's on everybody's mind? You guys are like, I. You guys seem to be sort of blossoming in the seriously in the spiritual um, vital realm. Unlike me, wasting away here in obscurity, dying by centimeters in comparison. <laughs> so, you always say that. <laughs> I guess so. Well, I mean, you know, the existentialism uh, connection, right? A nihilist, are we? Yeah, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> a disillusioned romantic. How does that sound? Okay. Yeah, that sounds appropriate, actually. That sounds appropriate. Mm-hmm. In this, Rich, in this day and age, uh, to be anything else would be delusional. You know, I, you know so, good, you know, point, yeah. Yeah. good point, man. Mm-hmm. How about that? Do you guys think that that's the that that's the? I, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Um not only personally, because right of all the all the events that are unfolding around the in the country and around the world and everything else, but um, you know, I do a radio show and I have the website and I, I write. I'm, I'm I'm doing another book right now, as a matter of fact. Which every time I I talk to to Lisa, I, I Carly, I tell her I'm not going to do any. I'm you know this is my last the last thing I'm writing, and every yep. time she talks to me, I'm writing something new. Um, <laughs> Oh, um, and so, and I'm just, I've just been wondering, I mean, you know, do you think that, 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 that really, that's, that we're being Pollyannas or do you think we're really in living in an age and a climate of spiritual, I don't, I want to say decline. I don't know what that would malaise, whatever. No, I, I, you know, in, in terms in Buddhist cosmology, theology, philosophy, uh, there, there, it is always spoken in terms of, uh, there, there are times of dharma decay and there's times of maybe like the word is maybe tar- dharma renewal. Yeah. Definitely in a time of dharma decay right now. For you, sure. re- you both really sense that? Yeah. You know, I think it's yeah. sort of, because I'm always, you know, I have 
always racked with self-doubt, of course. So I'm, so, so I'm always, but I really am. I, I, maybe it's self-examination. Maybe I'm being prudent. I don't know, but I'm always wondering, is it really me? You know, I know I'm getting, you know, we get older, you know, and, and stuff like that. Things change. Things aren't the way it was when we were younger. Things really, the world changes. And, and, and sometimes I wonder, is it just me? sort of not understanding and not appreciating what's going on and the, the, you know, the necessary, um, you know, transformations that are going on in the world that everybody's, you know, I listen, I remember my parents, right. And they said they were sure the world was going to hell and, and because of us, and then, you know, their parents were said the same thing and everything else. So I just wonder sometimes, how do we know it's not us? And it's really, I think when I was in India, they were also talking about the, you know, the, um, the, we're in the, we're in the Kali Yug right now. Mm, And, and so that's kind of the end of like a long epoch. And this is sort of agreed upon, I think, by people that are far more wise than I am. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, there is this sense of this, um, and I guess, you know, in the way that Joel described it, yes, it's a decline, but I think, my own feeling about it is actually very optimistic. Um, mm-hmm. I might not see it in my lifetime. I, in fact, I, we probably won't, but I have a very strong, deep sense of this kind of uh, the falling away is really, really critical for something much more, um, I think, enlightened to emerge. Uh, I feel that very strongly. And I and I think that uh, as the only, um, you know, feminine, femme, female on the panel, um, that I think as women, we're very in touch with it. Almost all mm. of my female friends, we are deeply, deeply in touch with it. We feel it in a very profound way. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is it when you when you speak about uh, impending or coming uh, uh, enlightenment and enlightenment? What does that look like for you? What are you what are you articulating in your own vision of that? Uh, I don't have a vision of what it looks like, but I do have a vision, a vision, ironically, of what it feels like. Um, I mean, I think within my own lifetime, as you both know, I've been through periods of you know, kind of an ecstatic building and then kind of a falling away. So I feel like in my lifetime, and certainly Joel, I know that's been true for you too, that, you know, like we've had these big upswings and then kind of these lower times of things falling away. And maybe because like I had thought, I, I guess, Rich, like you, that I had thought, oh, this is my own experience and I'm projecting it onto the world. But um, because I've had those ups and downs. However, other people, especially, like I said, women particularly, who haven't had those large, um, you know, uh, ascents and descents, they're also sensing it as well. And so what does that mean? Uh, I think for what the sensing is, is that kind of all of the bullshit is going to start falling away. And I think we can already see that. Hmm. Um So like I told Joel the other day, like when we were talking about, okay, what's the theme of this that um, I said, you know, what's up for me right now is like relationship, the purpose of relationship, the meaning of relationship. And because I'm straddling many different kinds of relationships, um, I can sort of I feel like I have my finger in a lot of different perspectives. And what I'm noticing in those realms is that 
there is a sense of like a real not knowing like everybody is just sort of like I want something but I don't know what it is Mm. um where I think for our parents or even you know like when I was in college whatever that it was like oh I want to get married I want to have kids I want to like whatever um which was not true for me but you know I mean I did sort of still have that you know sense of like security Mm. and monogamy and stability and what I see definitely obviously living in San Francisco and, you know, I think we're often on the cutting edge of relationships. We're often on the cutting edge of a lot of, you know, uh, uh, social evolutions. And, and one of the things that I notice is that there is a longing for connection, but not in the same way of going back the two traditional, like I want a partner, a monogamous partner. I want the house and the kids. There's yeah. something, and, and to me, if you start seeing social relationships fundamentally changing, I think that's a good barometer that something bigger is is happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, do you think that it's a, do you think social, when you say social relationships are changing mm. um, in a good way? I I see it as I think I prefer it this time to not to judge it, whether I think it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. I just look at it objectively and observe what I see happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and you know, I have a 20 year old daughter and um, mm-hmm. in her reality, it's that even for most of her friends, that paradigm doesn't exist. They're not about mm-hmm. wanting to find the partner to get married. That's not the focus. They especially like for, for Asha, I think that she feels very strongly that um, there is this sense of, I want my life to have meaning and purpose. And, and a relationship is a part of that, but I don't get my meaning and purpose through my relationship. Yeah. Where I think for many women, especially we often did identify in that way. Right. And and I definitely see a shift in that. And that also seems to be true among her cohort as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's that the concept of, maybe it's not so much that they're not looking for relationship, but the concept or their 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 experience of relationship is expanding in ways that pre- previously couldn't, you know, in ways that, you know, right, that it previously the concept didn't encompass um, so people yeah. want a relationship in a broader sense than the, the very narrowly prescribed ones categories that they used to be have to fit those relationships into. And they want a deeper, mm-hmm. more profound, more open relationship with, with everything, with the universe. Ultimately, I mean, I don't know if many people are thinking that far, but but, you know, it seems to be that's what it's it's broadening to, at least. in I, that I, direction, right? I think so. And I think that also like. It's sort of a paradox, right? That like, can you have more sustaining, fulfilling relationships if you're not married, if you're not monogamous, if you're not sort of hemmed in by some sort of social structure? And, um, and I think that remains to be determined. Um, I don't have an answer for that, but what I see is that we're at the sort of precipice of that exploration. 
Um, and it feels different than sort of the 60s, like anti-establishment hippies, yeah. hippie movement, because yeah. that was going against something, right? Mm -hmm. That was like, we're, we're anti-establishment, we're anti-patriarchy, we're like, we're making a stand, we're making a political statement through our relationship status to kind of say F you to the, you know, to the man. Yeah. But I don't see that anymore. It seems more like we're moving towards something, yeah. even if yet we don't quite have that uh defined what it is but I, I see the vast openness of the exploration mm. yeah makes sense and yet as we were saying there are so many forces right now that are acting against that sense but of... that isn't that the way it is though mm. yeah yeah i mean i guess the you mean in the sense that the um the yin yang dynamic becomes more and more pronounced I want to write at the point of ultimate decay comes the turning point. Um, and, and also like, you know, you know, my, our, we both know my dear friend Beatrice and, you know, Beatrice and I just talked, uh, you know, a few weeks back and, and she had also said too, like, whenever the light starts to emerge, that's when kind of the forces start pushing in against it. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, and even just thinking about that, why is that, right? Why is our universe sort of set up that way? Because I think it's like testing a muscle, right? Like, mm. okay, right? Like, okay, you've got this yeah. and then you're pushed to how much more light can I bring? How much more goodness can I bring? How can I see in, in the darkness, I think brings out mm, things that I didn't see. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that that was, you know, there lurking and me being a light and shedding a light on that br brings that into awareness. And, and, you know, um, I mean, obviously we're personifying darkness and light, but I think that there, there does seem to be that energy dynamic. I, I don't know if you guys have experienced it too, but I know for sure that, you know, I mean, I've definitely like that, that's been a felt experience of mine. So I mean, you're definitely so attuned to that much more than, much mm -hmm. more than I am, but I, and I would like to think, I would like to feel that. And I get intimations of that, but then I'll, I'll doubt them because then you look at, you know, it's easy to look at just, you know, just take one small shift in perspective and it mm -hmm. just looks plain like, well, everything's just going to hell. <laughs> instead of all the you know oh it's just testing a muscle or i you know ultimately it's you know it's 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 a necessary um step to to something greater so i don't know i, I don't and know. maybe that's part of my i mean one of the things that i know that you know even people that i briefly encounter they they just experience me as being very optimistic and hopeful and happy and um and you know that is you know, maybe just a dispositional thing that the way that I look at the world in this, um, uh, I, I guess I try to, um, and maybe that's from being a teacher, you know, I, I don't know, but like, you know, seeing a student that's having a pretty rough day and rather than sort of getting at the behavior that's coming out in that moment oh shit the kid threw their pencil or they you know ripped up their homework or whatever it is right whatever acting out mm. there's something underneath that and I think I've always tried to be not always but you know more more so as I've gotten older mm. to be more cognizant of yes there's the behavior but what's going on underneath it 
Yeah. And so I think it's the same way with this light and dark, right? That like, yes, I feel this, these pressures coming in this, like, you know, the rise of Trump. I think that's a very good example. Like, what was the, what was the immediate result of Trump getting elected? Immediately, women came out all over yeah. the world, yeah. right? I mean, that was an immediate reaction. Yeah. It woke yeah. women up, right? We're yeah. like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So to me, that's, I think, a very good real world example of that happening, mm. right? Before yeah, we were like, oh, Obama, he's great. And, you know, everything's fine. And like, we can just, you know, continue with our lives. And, but Trump getting elected, I think, really forced us, particularly as women, but certainly many, many you know, people all over the world, like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, we cannot be complacent. And I think that's another part of it is I do not see this as a time of complacency. That I feel very strongly. This is not a time of complacency. We need to be paying extreme attention to what is happening around us and really identify. By identify, I mean, to the core of our being, understand what our purpose is in it. One, to be aware of it. And two, what is my purpose in this? What awareness can I bring with my perspective? Well, and me... that's what I feel my work is kind of, you know, settled on now. Yeah, Joel, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 not at all. But Lisa, I want to, because, you know, we're having this conversation and it, and it's, it's, it's definitely intimate and it's definitely with the three of us. But when we, when we talk about mission and purpose, I'm just wondering with, with the understanding that we're going to be uh, offering ourselves to a wider audience. I, I was wondering if you could speak a little to how do we do that? How do we find our mission and purpose? How have you found your, where you are at now? <laughs> no, no, I'm being, I, I couldn't be more, more certain that this is, uh, 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 you know, you have an expertise in this of examination um, what, how have you arrived at, at whatever level you are at with your own mission and purpose? How, what, what do you attribute you having those insights and revelations and arrivals? I think it boils down to, and both of you know me well enough to, I think, agree with this. If you disagree, please, you know, disabuse me of my own misperceptions. I am pretty fearless and I'm also a risk taker. And so for me, I haven't had that sense of like, oh, yes, this is it, right? I mean, I think that like, especially going back to like when Rich and I met 30 years ago now, my gosh, um, <laughs> that I was just at like the very nascent stages of like, there's something here. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's me, if it's something outside of me. Um, but I think since that time, and I think, like I said, both of you, I think can attest to this, that I've been pretty fearless in terms of going after something, even having no idea what I'm doing. And I think that um, a certain amount of faith in the universe, surrendering to, okay, it looks like this opportunity has presented itself. Let me go and see. Um I think it's been through this very trial and error basis that this has happened for me. However, when I say that, I, I say it somewhat cautiously because I think that everybody has a different path. That's been my journey. I think other people, like I look at my daughter, 
she knows exactly, you know, she's like, I've known exactly what I wanted to do since I was eight years old, nine years old. And she has been consistently on that path. Um, where Aaron is also kind of in that, Hey, I'm going to try this and try that and see what fits and see what works. I don't think that there's a prescribed answer. I think everyone has their own particular journey and you have to be in alignment with the kind of person that you are. Um, for me doing something in a linear way, that's like, Oh, I'm going from point A to point B. I don't think that that would work very well for me. But for other people, I could see where that would be a beautiful way to, you know, continue to explore. And yeah, so I mean, um, Joel, how about how about you answering that question, too? Like, what's your experience of that? Yeah, um, I want to answer that. I'm just wondering if we could we could place it before Rich real quick and then sure. I definitely answer it. Rich, do you do you have uh, uh, thoughts or things you want to share regarding your own exploration of mission and purpose and meaning in life? Um, man, I am like, I am the last person anybody would ever want to. There's several topics, right? Ethics, <laughs> personal ethics, professional ethics, work ethic. Um, and, 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 um, and, um, an example for finding meaning in life. I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't have, I can't say I have a plan. That's for sure. Well, let's, I, let's start I, here. Let's do the strategy. Rick. Yeah. Let's start here. Do you feel like you search or long for meaning, mission, and purpose, understanding that? Do you feel like that's a part of your curiosity? Um, The search for meaning? Search for meaning, mission, and purpose, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's the entire, probably way too much, the entire spectrum of my concern. So, yeah, yeah. And so, and so if we, if we here collectively understand that maybe, uh, where we rest our curiosity and our energy and our intention. Yeah. Because that is the totality, the, the raison d'etre, the, the full force of what you are. Yeah. And that energy that you put out, what has returned to you in maybe insight and understanding regarding that? Hmm. Um, gosh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm any farther along. Hold on, let's, let's start here. What 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 is your what is your academic what is your academic um, uh, investigations your studies your area of interest academically? Um, I, I sort of professionally within the philosophical field of philosophy and history. Um, I, I you know the the, the nature of consciousness. Um, the the big one the biggest big ones right the nature of meaning the nature of ultimate truth and the, the the nature of the universe comparative themes in science and religion yeah, yeah. Um, the nature of consciousness that's basically what the the book that I'm I'm writing about now right now is about so yeah and can I can I jump in on that Joel please so I think one of and Rich and I've talked about this I think for many times over the years wow. is that I think one of the fundamentally different approaches that you and I have to this, I think we're both looking at the same, like, you know, the same crystal ball, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But I think that what we've sort of discovered over the years is that I don't, I used to, I think, spend a lot more time sort of immersed in the ideas of it, in the philosophy Mm. of it, in the theoretical of it. 
And I think that somewhere along the way, I shifted into the phenomenal, into the phenomenology of it. Of rather than asking the, I guess in Rilke, right? Like I'm living the questions. Yeah. I'm not really asking the questions anymore. Mm. I feel like I've shifted into a, um, uh, away from even a questioning place into a place of, surrender and into a place of oh this is coming up and rather than sort of needing for me building a a philosophical construct around it I'm like okay I'm just gonna live into this and see what arises yeah but but having said that too I just want to reiterate kind of the previous point that I made that all of those are necessary We need the people to give us the theoretical frameworks. We need the people to have the lived experiences. And I think that's the multi-dimension that we're moving into is that there Mm. isn't one right way. Mm. There isn't one, like it, you can't just look at, uh, like, let's say the environment. You cannot just look at the environment from, uh, you know, a chemical process, right. photosynthesis. We need to see how all of these systems are interacting with other systems. How right. is it impacting people's lives? How is it influencing the culture of the people around them? Right. Every single thing needs to be equally weighted and considered. I agree. I, I pretty much, although I, almost entirely, although uh-huh. I would say this, I think that you're what? That your phenomenal, your living experience of truth, of wisdom, of existence, whatever you want to call it, um, is I would prioritize over mine. If if if, if I don't know, I, we you know that between the two of us, I don't think we have that much of a contrast. Um, right. and, and obviously, because I feel this way, I don't think that sitting in 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 studies like this, philosophizing is is the primary. Um, way to approach truth, mm. to approach a deep understanding of existence. Let me stop you right there, though, Rich. Let me ask you, intuitively, what do you feel is the best way to approach truth? What Intuitively, without rational thought, what do you feel in your gut is the best way to, to express or address truth? Just without thinking about it, just feeling into without it. Just, just pre-associating? Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. in, uh, intuitively, ecstatically, aesthetically, yeah. um, with emotionally, compassionately, yeah. passionately, those ways, and all the all those engaging all those things in a living engagement with with the world around you and the people around you and your relationships, oh, and that is what you guys do. I really is. I mean, this is but why. It's I- also, Rich, it's also what you do. It may not be recognized within your own your own personal narrative within yourself. Yeah. fully fully it is also you also you i agree actually yeah and well i give you credit you seem what is it that makes you guys so much more comfortable in your own skin doing it then you seem to feel as though you fe- you've seemed to have both found a very authentic path um, well, i don't know i don't know about that but i i can give you my own sort of two cents about your your experience my experience of your experience <laughs> <laughs> who's on first yeah no, but I mean, I, to me, it feels like you have a, a very, um, a very deep. Uh, uh, you're you're in combat with yourself, and what is in combat with yourself 
is your rational construct, your rational mind, your cognition versus your intuitive self. And so you know what you know, and you don't, the rational self will not, for some reason, allow you to accept that you know what you know. Hmm. Spoken like a Zen master. I, I don't I know about that. that. I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I think it's, I think it's a help, heartfelt uh, right. observation that, you know, it's sort of like the, the is it the Wizard of Oz? Like, uh, you're, you're already, you're already home. All you have to do is wake up, right? Yeah. You're already yeah. there. You're already yeah. there. And so the only, the, for you, Rich, my sense is that the only element of waking up is you could frame it through many different paths or lenses, but fundamentally it's simply the allowance of confidence in you. It's not that you lack confidence, but you don't allow yourself to, to express that confidence. Mm. Usually that comes, usually that confidence to cross that bridge um, that you don't do that, that you don't cross that bridge is due to an insanely meticulous examination of reality and life and existence. And so until you've meticulously scrutinized everything, you will not allow yourself permission to accept you are already there. Mm. And so it reminds me, I, I actually, I'm here with a, I'm at my place in Buffalo, New York, and I have a friend who's a nomad. He lives a nomadic life. He lives out of his car. He converted his car. Tell me about that guy. Yeah. yeah he, he hiked the, he's out there listening to TV right now, but, um, I invited him. I invited him to join us. He wanted no part of it, but um, <laughs> he lives out of his car and he, he hiked the Appalachian Trail. He may be doing the Pacific Crest Trail, but tonight we were talking actually about someone very interesting. I don't know why it, it arose in me to share this with him, but I was sharing with him my fascination of the Zen teacher uh, Zhao Zhao or Joshu. Uh, mm. I don't know if either of you are familiar with Joshu. Joshu uh, to me is is uh, probably in Chan, probably in Chinese uh, Zen or Chinese Buddhism, the greatest, the pinnacle of uh, Zen or Chan teaching. Uh, he started in a monastery at a very early age and did not start teaching, although he had received permission to through several masters as he moved through China. He did not start teaching until the ripe youthful age of 80 years old he started in a monastery in his youth as a very young child and would not start teaching until he was 80 years old and why do i bring this up i mean i can see now why that arose in me because the correlation the the parallels between you and joshua uh, your ability to give yourself permission to teach comes from this deep meticulous scrutiny and scrutinizing of existence in life whether you call it zen or through hinduism consciousness itself like when you cross that bridge into yourself and realize you are already there you realize you are right now right where you need to be and absolutely lacking nothing there's nothing wrong and you already know that but i think you don't give yourself permission to know that so um i'll say this is what i love about you guys only people i got every time i talk to you it's like doing therapy so <laughs> what, what what and i really mean it so what did you i was going to say what do i do what did you do uh either one or either both of you probably you uh, to the extent that you have what did you do to give yourselves permission hmm. to do this <laughs> can i can i jump in on that is that okay yeah, please please yeah yeah um so I'm just sort of laughing at this 
in my mind at this conversation because Rich, you were my teacher for this. <laughs> it is ironic, isn't it? Yeah. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. <laughs> um, there's no way. Like you were the opener for me. Um, and and I feel like um I think when I met you, I was 22. <laughs> it was literally 30 years ago now. Yeah. And, um, and I was in such a very, very different place. And when I met you, the, the meeting of you was so profound. I had never met anyone who I had felt was so, um, just had such a beautiful way of being in the world. And oh, curious, it, just, it feels like curious, like you never met anyone who was so curious. Hmm. Yes. I, yes. I think curious, but, but honestly, I think for me and that at that time, it was more that I saw a light in another human being that I had never seen before. Yeah. And then as we got to know each other and become friends that, you know, I really started to see that the world, the way that I had been looking at the world was through so many veils and that I didn't have this full perception. And I think because that was so radical that, that meeting you was so such a gestalt for me that I think it honestly sort of set me up for a series of being ready for gestalts mm -hmm. because that was such a profound life-changing moment. And it was so um, beautiful and positive and really, truly, truly miraculously life-changing for me that I think I became more maybe, um, aware of those opportunities in my life and I didn't I uh I didn't um what do I want to say like uh I don't want to say that this happened overnight it was a very gradual process of coming to recognize that that might be my path is through these massive gestalt changes and that has become something that I've become more and more accustomed to, mm. more appreciative of, and um, and more open to, I guess, um, mm. is that, again, having a sense of my path being one of surrender and being uh, open to being surprised and being open to learning. Um, and, and just to kind of like...